Welcome to the Psychic Guys. Tonight, your regular hosts, David, Josh, Brett, and Daz, will be predicting the future. In tonight's episode, I predict we'll discuss the subtleties and pitfalls of predicting the future, prophecies, premonitions, and dreams. So let's kick this off with a question we've all been asked. Why aren't remote viewers always winning lottery jackpots? Who wants to go first? I think you have a good story about that, David, because didn't you actually look into that? You just ran a project on that. I, I think, did. On um, the on the lottery itself. Yeah, the tasking was what's the biggest factor that, apart from sucking at remote viewing that stops remote viewers from winning the lottery and i got so much stuff back and i said oh, i'm going to write this up as a proper report because everybody wants to and I, I, there's like hundreds of pages of data and i never got it done so i hate being reminded of that because it gives me unfinished work guilt um i think the data said like pointed in more than one direction it wasn't like there was one big factor but in my from that data and in my experience of trying to do it, psi-ability is not what stops it happening. There's like at least one other thing going on. Uh, I tried using extended remote viewing to win and I would always get like two numbers correct. And we're talking like two-digit numbers here. You're not just going to get two two-digit numbers correct. That's a one in, uh, well, one in a thousand chance that that would happen. And that was happening regularly. And then it would be like a wall came down. It's like, nope, that's it. You're not allowed anymore. So it would kind of work well enough to show you that you could do this if you were allowed to, but badly enough to show you that you're not allowed to. And, and then I, ju I just totally gave up on it. I couldn't crack it. Um, you guys ever won? You know, there's a, that story that you just mentioned, I have heard from so many remote viewers that have applied remote viewing specifically, usually towards like a pick three or a pick four type of a thing. And it's where they, they spend like a month or two seeing if they can crack this, this problem. And they actually have success getting the first couple digits correct multiple times in a row, except the final digit is like one number off. It's not just like, oh, just, oh, it's just a random yeah. number. It's like if it was a nine, they got an eight. If it was a four, they got a five yeah. on that very last number, something like that. Almost like there's this, oh, yeah, sure, you can have it almost until you're about to get it. And then something. Yeah, it's like it messes with you. Something messes with it. And it, this is, I've seen this not just, this actually has also happened to me. I was several years ago experimenting with the pick three in the California lottery, just to, you know, for fun to see if I could get it. And I would get the first two numbers correct over and over and over again. And it's like, a, I spent about two months working on this every week. And uh, that final number just wouldn't hit. It would get close, but it wouldn't hit. And then I was like, well, there's probably something more going on here. We'll come back later to see if I can, can figure it out. I never really... I found other things that were much more interesting and profitable with remote viewing than trying to figure out lottery numbers. So I, I just haven't kind of circled back to it yet. But it, it's interesting you mentioned that story because I've heard that and experienced that exact same yeah. thing. I've heard it off by one thing from loads of people. The very yeah. first time I did it, I was playing one. I had to get five numbers. The first one was correct. The second two were off by one. And then the other two were off by two or something. You know, they, it was like they'd yeah. been right and then just been kind of slightly messed up. So Daz, I remember you saying you thought you hadn't won the lottery because you'd quit remote viewing and be drinking cocktails on a yacht somewhere. I think, Do you that's, think that's why um, it doesn't work. I think that's part of it. Of but like you guys, I've I've tried it for several weeks. I think I didn't do it for too long. It was like about six weeks. Uh, and my best effort, I was doing the UK Euro Millions 
which when you add all the single digits up together, it's like 14 single digits. Um, but on the numbers, you know, because it's like double digit numbers, seven double digit numbers, uh, I was, you know, I did get close. I did get like four numbers right and then one of them, you know, one number off. But I noticed a pattern as well. Um, I would get, you know, I'd get all the 10s, 20s, 30s and 40s in the right columns, you know. So I, if it's a teen, I would get a teen. If it's a 20, I'd get a 20. But the number literally, generally, would just be one number off in one direction in, in each of those columns. There um, it is again. So frustrating. It's like close, but not close enough. Uh, but, yeah. you know, looking at the history of every remote viewer out there, you know, we know that, you know, people like Joe McMoneagle tried Ingo, spent months trying to do lottery. We know that these are super talented individuals and, you know, they couldn't crack either. So, and I did David's project. Uh, in fact, I put a video, I put the video of my description of the RV session on, on, on my website so that it's up on, on, online, uh, me going through it and what I thought about it. Um, my session for that it indicated that there was a higher being that had something to do with everything, uh, a bit like a godlike trickster type person, um, which kind of, I think, goes with my belief system that just because we want it, you know, we want something doesn't mean it is actually in the cards for us to have it. Like David said, I'm, I'm totally honest. If I won 100 million on the lottery, I wouldn't be working or doing remote viewing ever again. I'd be on, a, on my own yacht sailing to every island on the planet with you know, with vodka and Viagra every night kind of thing. <laughs> do you think that's, that's a, a self-limiting thing or do you actually feel like it's external? Like, yeah, because you say, yeah, maybe you wouldn't be doing remote viewing. You'd be doing something else that maybe your higher self if that exists, right, would say, yeah, I don't know if that's what you should be doing, Dad, so I prevent you from doing it. Do you Makes feel sense. it's more local, like, to you, Trickster, or do you feel it's actually external? Like, there's actually something associated specifically with the lottery that has this, like, upsetting, almost-but-no-cigar type of, of energy to it that that hey, we just see all these viewers run into, myself included. Yeah. Um... The data from the RV session uh, indicated that it was an external trickster type. Mm. Well, almost like, it's very hard to describe, almost like some kind of, I don't like to use the word God, um, but it had that kind of like... Just a being. Yeah, being, you know, all-seeing, all-knowing being that was um, huh. looking down and in interacting with us. And uh, I think it doesn't like it, or if it's not you know, within a certain life plan for us to do, um, just because we want it doesn't mean, you know, you're going to get it. Yeah. You know what I find interesting about this, though, is I don't sense or experience the same thing in relationship to markets, like at all. And I've, I've I don't know about you guys, but I've had instances where I've had very specific precognitive data come true about markets that was dead on yeah. numerically. And I mean, the biggest one was with uh, the COVID crash with Bitcoin where the top would be and the exact date. It was, this is when I was doing a lot of extended remote viewing and I was having a lot of precognitive dreams about the market probably just because yeah. it was like kind good. of yeah. fresh. And it's like, I would get, oh, this, like I'd have a dream and I'd actually see the market chart in the dream and the number. And then that would happen in the next week. And we're like, oh, well, why don't I start <laughs> using this? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, David and I don't know if Josh, you were, yeah, I think Josh, you probably were there. Like I, I was posting my stuff in the yeah, remote yeah. viewing Discord all the time, and I think people made several thousand dollars off of my yeah, my yeah. precognitive dreams at the time. <laughs> it helps. Could me. it be though uh, that it's the amount that's smaller, uh, and that there are more? You know, with a market, it's not a single. Although you are singly affected, it's not really 
a massive effect for a single person. It's a, it's a massive It's not millions. millions. It's not millions. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I like think, the most uh, anything's ever been made is probably six figures. I, I think that uh, that's a, from a slightly different angle there, Des. I think it's more, and this is just based off of sessions I tasked David with after doing that project for him so that he'd get a shot to do it, not knowing he was going to be doing it. Uh, I believe that it's more that with markets, we're, we're not competing against a bunch of other human beings for a single lump of money. Rather, we're betting our own individual money. Uh, yeah, could be. Yeah. Josh, was that thing the one with the crabs? The money crabs, yes. The money. Can you remember what that was all about? Because yes, I remember uh, the money crabs, but <laughs> I had this. This was specifically your session, but what prompted me to task you with it was when I did my own work for your project. That was honestly, it's probably one of the best sessions I've ever done, in my opinion. Uh, not in terms of accuracy, just I went really in depth. Can't really be accurate against the unknown, but the uh, there was the trickster entity that came up, and in my session where Daz kind of focused on the entity itself, I focused on the idea of how to get around it, <laughs> and I came up with this idea that you could go over it, like go a level above it, and sort of supersede it by placing yourself as the authority over it. You could go under it by Essentially, uh, instead of trying to, I, I forget the specific nuance or how I want to word this properly. It's just, it was like the, the, uh, that children's book with the, yeah, we're, we're all going on a bear hunt where we, we can't go under it. We can't go, we have to go through it, you know? <laughs> yeah. In my case, was it like was literally like a thief sitting on a rock and that was the different ways when you could get around it by moving adjacent to what you were trying to do. Like, instead of trying to view the numbers it was more like viewing the outcome or willing the outcome into existence a, a whole bunch of different angles but all that to say is what i tasked you with the i was trying to understand the nature of that trickster entity and break it down and the session you did described basically this giant swarm of crabs and terrifying it, it, it basically was crab. like attracted yeah. to <laughs> your intent to try and gain the wealth or whatever but hmm. in hindsight when i think about it it also makes an interesting metaphor for uh, when you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket the way they tend to act you would think they would just all work together and like climb up out of the bucket but when you have a bunch of crabs in the bucket what they actually do is anytime a crab is looks like they're going to get out of the bucket the other crabs pull them down you triggered a thought i had uh this is Something and something I noticed recently in my forecasting work, where when I'm really invested in the outcome, like oh, I just I have to be right. I, I you know it's like I, if I really care about what the work is going to be correct, that tends to actually affect the work negatively. But if I can just run the session, turn it in, and be just okay, I'm detached. It's going to be what it's going to be. I tried my best. I know I did. I'm done. And then I just let it go and I, I, I let go of the outcome of that session for whatever reason, my accuracy on those, I'm just starting to keep track of this, tends to be higher. And 
this may have to do with the self-sabotage thing, perhaps. I, like, I do think that there's a ton of variables when it comes to whether or not someone can accurately get information about the future. And like, we're talking about many of them, but it's you, you jog that little uh, I nugget idea in my mind by saying that, Josh, because I've been noticing that lately. I've been trying to just not care about being right or wrong when I'm doing I, the work. I think that's and it's true actually, of everything, right? It's, being it's, better. Not, it's not just financial predictions in ARV. It's any remote viewing work. We get that. Like, if we have emotional investment. stuff going on. Yeah. Even yeah. even when I was date-basing my sessions, when I was training, I found the strongest predictor of if I was going to have a miss was I was writing down my emotional state in my header and tracking it in a spreadsheet. And if it said anything other than okay or good, I was going to perform badly. And this was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm worried about this. I'm preoccupied by that. It's just like you sure. didn't clear out and put to one side any emotions that were there. Um, there's a really great uh, exercise on Larry Williams' website somewhere, the set-aside exercise, which is very reminiscent of the Monroe energy conversion box, if uh, people have done gateway, I guess that's in, um, which is a really good habit to get into, I find, before doing remote viewing, if you've got any kind of lingering emotion could be just like oh, i need to remember to pay the bills you know it doesn't have to be a big deal but it will still sit there and mess the process up um yeah like you brett doing stuff even you blind probably that you care about that you're emotionally attached to the outcome just screws it up in those instances i always get somebody else to do it yeah yeah i think that's a what brett's saying is a i think is a problem that they found in the uh, uh app applied precognition ex experiments the moment that they they were self-invested you know i think it's across the board as yeah. well people. the moment they actually are self-invested and they put their own money in into the game you know they got skin in the game on it i think then that does has a detrimental effect in some way on 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 the rv um again it may be it may be because you're starting to fuck around with the uh no 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 this could change your life kind of scenario i don't know um it's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, this leads on to another topic, not really prediction-wise, but, you know, there does seem to be this trickster um, component to RV as, as well. You know, I, I've said this in, in other talks to people. I, I am moving along to a, a kind of feeling that there are parts of this phenomenon we're playing with that are sentient and does interact with us with this kind of trickster kind of uh, playfulness. Yeah, I think there's... The model that we can use, I mean, it's just our best guesses. So they may be totally wrong, but it's just that we, you know, create a model based on our experience. The way that I've, I look at it at the moment, which is obviously open to adjustment, uh, is that if we're accessing information about the future, that wherever that information is stored may not just be some inert hard drive. It may not be this, like, it's not a computer where there's just information. It may be there's information there, but there's more than just that there. And maybe there is consciousness. Maybe there is awareness to the thing like a librarian. How about the librarian of who keeps all the information? And this is, this is just a model to try and understand what we perceive and how it reacts to us. Um, and then, well, what if, just continuing with this model, there is a librarian in the database, in the, in the library, but then there are other actors, beings as well in that library who can tinker and mess with. And I mean, I don't know, maybe they uh, have their own agenda and prerogative and goals that it, they don't want you to get the right answer. And that doesn't mean that their will is necessarily always going to 
trump yours, but that it's just it's additional complexity to getting the right answer. Yep. And I've seen sometimes I've seen a number of these where this trickster type effect that you're describing, Daz, where there's like an external influence or I'll actually take a session and I'll set it up as a task for another remote viewer that I trust their work and it'll be completely blind. And the cue will be really simple. It would be a really simple tasking where it's like, what is the primary cause for the erroneous results? If it was an erroneous session, just go there and just describe whatever you, you find. And on many of those instances, what they come back with in data is like this thing you're describing, where it's some sort of awareness or consciousness that is uninterested in you getting the data correct for whatever reason. And you know, sometimes it's really subtle. Sometimes it's, it's more uh, clear in those sessions. But I'm always just fascinated by that feedback on those blind sessions. Again, it's not, well, it's non-feedbackable because we're looking at something that's, you know, un, unobjectively knowable. But it was interesting data at the very least because I've seen it consecutively by multiple viewers. So interesting, but I can't say it's obviously uh, 100% accurate because there is no feedback completely. So, but yeah, it, it makes me wonder. And that's my general model that I use. Josh and I have run into that same thing in yeah. the past. Uh, without naming mm. any names, there was some remote viewing data put out into the public domain, which we thought looked a little bit suspect. And mm. we did a blind session on why, where that was coming from, or what what was the issue here. But this stuff was being published. And uh, Josh, can you remember the session I'm talking about with what you perceived first in there? Yeah, Um I basically, and don't, don't take this as literal. This was just the internal symbology that appeared for me. It doesn't make any literal claims about reality or metaphysics. I saw essentially a demon that was dancing around. And when I inquired what it was doing, it, it basically said that its purpose was to screw with remote viewers. It explained a lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I want to say as well, in that session, Josh immediately then went on to get a whole bunch of verifiable stuff that matched up. He wasn't just going off on one, he was working blind. So um, it was an interesting result that there's something out there whose whole job is just screwing with remote viewers. Huh. Do you think that's on every kind of session or do you think it... Because I don't think I have the same kind of issues. I mean, I have an accuracy issue with viewing predictions. Um, because, you know, I know my, I know from doing, you know, over three years worth now through uh, future forecasting, you know, I, I database them. And for every hundred I was doing, I was only getting 65 right. So I know my general approximate accuracy on in future predictions is, is at 65%. Whereas I know that my normal RV on a normal project, I would say is, you know, a 10 or 15% above that on, on average. So I know that there is a discrepancy there. But so do you think that, these interruptive life forms or whatever it is are affecting all predictions or maybe just done the important ones that have a great change to us. And, you know, my discrepancy for normal predictive stuff might just be the fact that, you know, the, the events haven't coalesced into a single singularity kind of I think there's event. another model there as well yeah. as the librarian. We could look at the, like, non-deterministic future, like we're viewing probabilities rather yep. than the future is there and the librarian won't tell us. It's like the future really isn't decided, at least from our perspective, because it yeah. seems to work like that, even if it ultimately isn't. I don't know. 
Well, if you take an idealistic, uh, we create our own reality, new thought sort of perspective, you could also say that the entities interfering with everyone are ourselves because how many people are thinking intensely about what's going to happen in the future or have really strongly held, not necessarily even true to consensus reality views on different organizations or their motivations. Like if someone believes very strongly that there's some sort of cabal of people harvesting adrenochrome and things like that, and that they're creating NATO bio super soldiers in Ukraine, you might predict that there's going to be someone hulking out somewhere on an Eastern battlefront or something of that nature. And all that you've touched in that instance is what other humans have believed about it. Something else to add to this, guys, as well, and it's just popped into my head, is going back to the lottery thing again, is, um, you know, we we all classed it, you know, most of us on the planet have some modicum of psychic ability. And, you know, there's like, I don't know how what the figures are, but like on the on the Euro Millions lottery in, in, in Europe, I don't know how many people enter that, but it's got to be hundreds of millions of people. So you'd have thought that there would be a, I don't know what percentage, if you, if you, if let's say a hundred million people try it, you would think there's a, at least, if you go on the adage of, you know, 1% are good, are good psychics, there's got to be a million people there all with good psychic ability all wanting those lottery numbers to come up. Wonder what that yeah. kind of psychic kind of everyone wanting it does to, to the nature of psychic reality. Yeah. Like the conflict between everybody's emotional desire. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's what the, if yeah, that the crap pulling everyone down. What if that's, what if that's like, you know, what's actually going on is it's like a Tulpa type. Is that the, you talk about this being like trickster type being as what if the, but why is it there, but not the market? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Why would it specifically be lottery related? Whereas we can forecast the market to a to a very profitable degree like yeah. it's, it's my primary source of income <laughs> so i mean you do the well, same thing daz yeah. so but why is it the lottery has this wall that maybe it's amount maybe it's the size because it's like tens of millions of dollars whereas what we're doing yeah. is into well, it's tens of millions well, it's of people making a purely emotional pitch as well right cool. you don't play the lottery as an in a calculated risk or trade it's just like you almost buy a ticket for permission to dream while you're doing 100 million, right? People don't really do that in the market, probably though, are they? Yeah. They're so just the like, oh, this talk. It's Maybe like it's 100 million I'm people curious. with really strong feelings versus like yeah. a bunch of traders with a spreadsheet and a whole load of other trades. They just don't care so much. I'm curious. Whereas people in lottery uh, do care. When, when emotions maybe are countering or struggling against it. When you're measuring your accuracy, do you guys feel like you have better rates against market targets versus say the outcome of sporting events, because that could almost be a smaller scale where sure. Now there's not millions of people fighting over the single outcome where they win. Now it's two distinct groups of people pitting their will that their favorite I, team I think wins. I'm more accurate on markets than I am on sports. Me too. But that might be that might be because I actually, you know, other than boxing and martial arts, I hate all sports. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. I couldn't care less about sports. That can work for you. That does. That can work for you because you don't yeah. give a you yeah, yeah. Give there's a no emotional attachment. Yeah. Yeah. I know, you know, I literally know nothing about any sport other other than boxing. And I've I've done sports ARVs where I didn't even know what the sport was because it had some acronym and I'd never heard of the thing, the league or the teams, and I'm just like, oh, no, this one's gonna win. But maybe that's a detriment as well, because we literally just do, we just, we have no, we have no care in it whatsoever. 
So I have a, I have a thought about this and it's funny that you bring up that question, Josh, cause I actually just had a conversation with a client three days about, he asked me that exact question. He's like, can you do sports higher accuracy or, or is market? And I had to think about it and also look back at my stats. And I, I think you can be, I mean, just based on my own experience, you can be just as successful in sports as market. They do feel different though. And this is going to sound, this is totally just my uh, personal experience that I'm trying to describe anecdotally here. So I'm not saying everyone will have this, but when I'm running sessions for sports and if I like put my attention on that work versus market, there's a different, uh, what's the right word for that? It's not an aesthetic, but it's, there's like this, the overall feel of that data is different yeah. than market. It's more alive. Is, again, I'm using horrible words to mm. describe this, but it, you're it's talking like about ARV here as well, right? So yes. for people so who don't know how that works, as two different targets, and your your instructions will say, you know, if Team A wins, you'll describe, I don't know, an elephant. If Team B wins, you describe the seesaw yep. or something. So the targets have nothing to do with the sports game or the market. So your attention isn't actually on the sports the, game, yeah. but you're saying yeah. your experience of perceiving the correct image still feels different. There's like a difference in the actual data flow. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of describe it's because it's just a feeling. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing that I noticed recently as well is, is that, and this is specifically with markets, is, is that when I'm trying to, it is a legitimate question about, okay, this particular option or this particular thing, you have this really complex precision-like statement about the future in the market. I find that when I actually drill down and make those type of prompts, my accuracy isn't that high on those. And I was really trying to figure out why, as far as just like a simple question, like, is this option going to be profitable today or not? Like, just let's make it super, will I make money on this or not? Versus, okay, on this, the particular delta value on a 30 month trajectory, you know, it's like when I, like, it was a true question. But the complexity of the question, it's almost like I was, well, I couldn't even make sense heads or tails of that necessarily consciously. Maybe the problem is, is yeah, the unconscious has the ability to go look at this library or information layer for answers about the future. Maybe even my unconscious was getting confused and was like, well, I don't know how to <laughs> sort through the amalgamation of all the data that would be required to answer that's, this. That's and a so, good point, right? Because we we kind of need to know what the, the feeling of a thing is in order to describe it. And like, what, what did you just say? The is delta it, of a what on a fancy, like, well, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what that means, right? So if I, it's just well, different I ways to just, look at the market. Yeah. Yeah. But if you haven't got a, like a really, um, a well-practiced, well-trodden path of using those concepts in your day to day. And if it's, it's like, it's a really abstract thing and it's really far yeah. in the future and the feedback psychically is like this tiny tiny speck of information isn't it whereas if there's an event where uh, say a sports game you've got like all of the fans hundreds of thousands of fans they're all like really happy or really sad it's a much bigger it's easier to find yeah. in the library yeah. if you like sure but i think sure. i think that's what might be making the difference as well is as i said you know you got in for most of these sporting events you've got hundreds of millions of emo you know for the big ones of really yeah. invested really emotional people a proportion of those with psychic ability, which are, you know, half on one side, half on the other, pushing and pulling against each other. Actually, I was hearing about a experiment using random number generators recently. Um, it's kind of like the Global Consciousness Project, um, but it's 
selects new hardware using good quality random number sources um, and several of them and then comparing like the the outputs between two rngs in the same box and they were taking them to different places like um, one of them was soccer matches and looking at how the consciousness of the crowd is affecting the output from this thing and finding it was um, another one they did was uh, hospice care so they were looking at this the readout from this machine and it was going like crazy where every time somebody died the whole thing was like the, you know it was, it was wild wow. so they're, they're kind of effectively measuring something going on in the the consciousness field um i don't know what to what extent we're tapping into that when we do sports games though because we can do arv on really dull things where nobody cares and we can still be correct so it's yeah. not like driven by the emotion is it I mean, as we're talking about this kind of thing, um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys have done any of these projects for me, but uh, myself and several others on Facebook groups, like we looked at the last couple of U.S. elections, you know, especially the big one where where Trump uh, won and the one where he lost and stuff. And every every reviewing group I knew that did those uh, all came back with wrong uh, wrong answers. Yeah, and you know, oh. as we know, the rest of our RV data is always really good. So. I, I did the, the first Trump one, and I had a really interesting experience. I read it on Reddit, and it was associated remote viewing, so two images associated um, with two outcomes. And I had a spreadsheet where every time I got a session turned in, I would judge it as more this way, more that way. And I had a chart, so it was building up more that way or more this way and stacking the results on top. And what I found was it actually... It started one way and then it skewed and changed and the the total outcome of the project as the viewers did their sessions was tracking the opinion polls which was kind of like going weaving around the 50 percent mark could go either way and in like in real time the viewers were saying like oh it's going to be this way oh it's going to be that way and they were looking at like the collective intent as measured by opinion hmm. polls rather than the future outcome and i don't know maybe i screwed the tasking up or maybe i, I really don't know what happened but it was yeah. super interesting to see the way they matched up another thing that i mean we've kind of been talking around it at the moment though is when we run a remote viewing session about the future and it's a very specific well-defined outcome this outcome or that outcome and what if it changes like what is the future we we haven't talked about this yet what do you guys think some people say oh it's all it's just probabilities floating in space that are collapsing. And, uh, I mean, you can make an argument that maybe by remote viewing it, are you making it happen? I don't know. You, tend, you know, that's the collapsing of the, uh, of the electron, right? Or the, the, the wave, wave the wave, uh, the wave like, function. Don't, yeah. don't say the word. Nobody say Quantum. the word. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you yeah. my, 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 and it, I, I get my kind of ex explanation on this from a film and this film oh. called Next with Nicolas Cage. And <laughs> it's a great source of information. Yeah, and he has a quote in this. He says, uh, here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes. And that's because you looked at it. And that changes everything else. And that's yeah. how, and, you know, I just go by that. I think I think we are, uh, as we're interacting and looking at something, we are changing it because we do something with that information. Yeah. That happened in that uh, famous Silver Futures experiment that Russell Targ did didn't they? Mm, yeah. where they they were doing they were taking the viewers to a location to give them their feedback like in person they weren't giving them photos they were actually taking them to the location associated with the mm. outcome or whatever they're doing and after a while they started making loads of money and they got their 
got their result and were like, yeah, you did it. All right, guys, come and go to the feedback location, which you've described. And they were like, now we're going out partying. We've just made like a huge pile of cash. We don't, we don't want our feedback. You know, and it's like so many, <laughs> they described where they would be in the future and then changed the future by not being there and still managed to play the yeah. market successfully. So what were they really viewing then? That's the... Yeah, the potential future, just the information. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Do you guys feel that, because this is the age-old question, is the future set or is it not set? Do you feel that there is a degree of determinism and maybe it's somewhere in between? Where's your guys's, where you land at the moment? Personally, uh, I kind of formed my concept of time around this. Uh, the CIA did an analysis of Robert Monroe's gateway method. And one of the things in the introduction paragraphs leading up to explaining the method, the author of that report cites uh, Itzhak Bentov, and he describes time as basically being uh, not a linear thing. Essentially, all of time that ever was, is, will be, from our perspective, is happening over the course of the same instant. So I, I kind of view it as that, like, everything is going in a flash, but from our particular, the way we perceive reality, we've chopped it into linear bits to make sense of it. Is that deterministic yeah. then? If it's all happening in the same second, that means it's all happening. Well, the same, the same instant, not even a second, like a singularity. Right. Is um, that deterministic then? Well, I th from I think a logical standpoint, I would suppose yes, but it doesn't intuitively yeah, feel that I think way. You look at it both both ways, right? Because I I feel like it works probabilistic. It, it appears to work probabilistically. Like all of what we get from remote viewing suggests as probabilistic and malleable and fuzzy, you know, otherwise, all. <laughs> well, if you've got, I, I want to hear about it then. Um, but certainly in my, my general experience of looking at future predictions and all of this weird stuff that we do, it seems to be probabilistic. And I'm like, I'm not saying it is probabilistic, but from our perspective, it seems to work that way. So I'm going to treat it that way, but maybe it's predetermined that I try to change the future by remote viewing it. Maybe that whole loop is predetermined, right? But how would I know? So I might as well just treat it. Like a good model is to say it's probabilistic rather than predetermined, I think, even if that's not ultimately the case. I think the thing that gives me pause, I'm not saying it's not true. And I, where I land is it's got, it feels like maybe it must be somewhere in the middle. And the reason why it doesn't feel purely probabilistic is because of viewers and even in my own experience of getting such precise information way in advance of an event that you couldn't possibly have predicted with things adding up like it just and then it came about at the exact same exact day that it was forecasted and it months like six months in advance mm -hmm. so how if it's probabilistic how do how does something like that occur it's almost like there was a determination somewhere that this is going to happen in reality yeah. on this day. And there's nothing anyone can do to change it. This is set. It's determined. And so I wonder if big events, because this was a big event that was seen. Um, I wonder if those, because there's like a group unconscious consensus, I think enough of it that it appears deterministic. Whereas when you go down to smaller scales, like in your own life, or like even in the the future silvers thing, like, well, we decided not to do it this time. It's like they had more control over their personal sphere of influence. And so it looks more probabilistic the slower you go down, but the larger mm. you go out, 
perhaps maybe the more deterministic it looks just because you have this group consensus type of, again, I mean, uh, uh, creation that's going on here in reality. So there's, there's another layer on top of this, which gets into seriously head fucky territory, right? Which is that yeah, the we, we have the idea of, we, we might say the future is probabilistic. And when we say that, we're like sitting here in the present, looking forward at it. But um, we know that causality doesn't just go one direction in time, right? Causality goes all over the place in time. If you study for a test after you take the test, you do better in the test, right? You can, there's all sorts of retrocausal weirdness going on, right? That's so a real maybe, study. perhaps, that's not yeah, like that, some that is one. actually a real study. Yeah, that, that's a okay. actual dream scientific study. That's brilliant, isn't it? It should be very perhaps, popular with uh, students. You know. Perhaps we need to give David another headache and say that it's almost like that quantum idea of uh, that double split experiment where they the outcome they came up with was uh, light behaved differently depending on whether or not it's being observed, perhaps yeah, in it, some instances. I think that was what, time, what you were saying, Brett, wasn't it, with the silver yeah. futures thing versus the right. big events. Yeah, I, I, I feel that to be true. I, I agree. But going back to retrocausality quickly and just finish that one, like if we're going, why did this really specific thing, why did we predict that in the future? Why should it be fixed? Maybe like the, the probabilistic thing is happening over all of time and that big event kind of has to happen that way because so much other stuff happens a certain way you know so it's not the probability of a single event it's like the whole timeline is going well you know the, we've got to get like from a to b now. so in between we've got to have 9 11 otherwise you know mm. because there's just no other way of it likely coming about the future that, that it was all kind of likely to happen to a certain degree you know and then so it's not like we're in the present going forward and the future is resolving itself. It's like the whole thing kind of shakes out um, all at once. And that's why it looks probabilistic going forward. But then we have these weird fixes. Because I agree, the fixed things are there. And 9-11 is a really good example because yeah. that was cropping up in like comic books yep. and The Simpsons and like it's ever. And people say, oh, it's predictive programming from the Illuminati. Viewers too, like right? They, yeah. Some well, viewers. Uh, allegedly, uh, like, some allegedly, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it barged in allegedly, right? Like yeah. it was, but, it wasn't uh, their target, yeah. but they were getting details about. I've it. I've never really seen any accurate data from anyone though that's presented anything real on oh. them predicting nine one one. I've heard, I think, three different people claim that it cropped up, Got and it. they didn't know what to do with it because it was so yeah. far advanced. Yeah. But as a as an idea, it's just it was about for ages, wasn't it? Hello, David here. Sorry to interrupt the show, and don't worry, this isn't an ad, but we just finished recording this, and we found due to technical difficulties that the second half of Josh's audio wasn't recorded. So we've tried to re-record stuff and edit it back together so that it sounds okay and makes sense, but if it sounds a bit weird and janky, that's why, and we're sorry. Okay, back to the show. And that now people on the internet are finding all of this historical media where that's happened and going like look illuminatus and it's like well maybe, maybe not maybe they're just a creative person and this idea is like such a powerful thing it's floating around it was out there. there yeah it was like yeah. floating around in the collective unconscious or something like mm. that and they just this, uh, this kind of leads on to um when i had dr edwin may on on my show thing you know several weeks back yeah you know like David's test, really. I mean, David's test that you've talked about just now, where you know you do better in the test if you study after the test. 
that is just further evidence to support Dr. Edwin May's uh, theory that all psychic information is just pre predicting future events. And, you know, you don't even have to have feedback on those events. It's just that the feedback actually exists somewhere in time and space and you're predicting it in that way. So are you saying that when the students who study after the test are in the process of doing better in their test, the reason they're doing better is because they're precognitively looking at their study material in the future? Yes, or or not even looking at that material, just that that, that material of them doing that exists, you know. Yeah, it's like they're doing a remote viewing session and their yeah. feedback is when they study after the exam. Yeah. So. I just, I, it's hard for me to, the only thing that's hard, well, let me back up one step. We're going to get so confused. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. This is, I, I think I can, I can, I can state this clearly because I think that perhaps it might be multivariable. And so we say, oh, one thing, here's an example. This might be true, but it doesn't necessarily, just because we see evidence of one thing doesn't mean that other things also aren't true, I think is perhaps the lens oh, I would yeah, take yeah, for sure. where that actually could be happening. And it's a great explanation for what's going on, but. You can also do things where you, you are never given feedback and the feedback is burned and thrown away and you still get the right answer for someone. And it's like, well, someone got, and then, 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 then he's like, well, how did you get the right answer? Well, someone got the right answer. Therefore, well, yep. yeah. that, that, to me, that's what a cop-out answer. precognition even mean in that context? Yeah. I don't think, you know, if you're going to cram everything into precognition, then it rather, it makes precognition as a concept so broad that it's like, well, so? Uh, this, now, now it doesn't have any explanatory power, does it? Yeah, my argument yeah. would be if we're, all we're doing is going to the future and looking, as, as Ed May said, at the answer book, then if we're looking at the answer book, then why do so many people get make so many mistakes and, and we're not 100% <laughs> accurate? You know, if we're, if we're getting a glance at the answer book that exists somewhere, why isn't it always 100% accurate? Daz, it's because you went to the wrong alternate universe the i think the alternate universe idea is a mega cop-out it, it i, yeah, I the don't viewer is always it. right it they were just describing just the wrong awesome. timeline it's the timeline like cop-outs yeah. yeah come on yeah i think Although, intuitively i don't like it right because it doesn't give me the opportunity to, to fix it or improve it so maybe mm, I don't want to feel out of control. You know, <laughs> I do like what you guys were saying when you said that, you know, maybe it's, it's different routes, you know, so it could take a different route, you know, different things happening. But what I don't like about that is for something to take a route, it would, there would have to be a decision process involved in, you know, because it's doing a different thing each time. And that makes, you know, that then leads me to think that there is a control mechanism behind it. Or if it's random, well, then isn't it completely indistinguishable from if that entire system didn't exist and we've just got a probabilistic future? If it's just going wherever between alternate timelines or whatever, if there's no system of control and it's just like wherever, you know, totally random. experientially, how could we ever differentiate that from just having one thing that's probabilistic? So it's kind of working referring... probabilistically. Sorry, go on. Des, are you referring to like which avenue you take to access the information and then you're you're saying there's like there's a type of decision making that's occurring without your yeah if we're saying some of some of the stuff set some of it's uh, deterministic some of it's yep you know uh different probabilities some of it may yep. be looking at the answer sheet for yep. for you to take one one time and another route another time there 
that feels like a decision process rather unless it is totally random. What? And so when you say that, what comes to my mind is there's actually evidence to suggest that there's pre-conscious decision making that's going on all the time before it even before the idea even comes up. You're sitting on the couch, you're enjoying a film, and you're like, you know, it'd be great. I should go get some popcorn. And you go up and you get some popcorn and comes back down. Where did that thought actually come from? And there's, I'd have to go do research. I've read, I don't know it off the top of my head because I read a long time ago, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that your unconscious is making decisions before you, you're, you're even aware of the thought that comes into your mind. And so then that leads me to the question, well, could it be that the unconscious is deciding the best avenue to take when you're engaging in that type of technique about what kind of precognition you're going to use? That is maybe the, it's like, uh, what's the easiest path? What's the, what's the, has the least resistance? Why don't we just use that? Well, in this yeah. case, it's my future self because there it is. I see it in time because the unconscious maybe has access to outside of time. Let me just go and look at, let me take a peek at the page of the studying in the future, right? Or if it's different where it's like, oh, well, you're never, there is no feedback event for you in the future, but I'm still being asked to do this task anyway. Well, there's a closed door. So what's the next available open door? Well, maybe it's this strange, weird roundabout mechanism that we have no idea how it works because we're we're trying to describe something that is totally non-physical. So that would be my best guess if, yeah. if, if I were to try and make sense of of all the experiences that I've had. So, or it could be all random. You know, I could be wrong. It's just a guess. Yeah. I like that idea. I think it's fantastic and it has legs. But wow, the amount of computation that has to go on pre-event, you know, have and you heard? that would be going on continuously. Continuous. Have you heard life. the research? You're comparing your conscious brain is somewhere in like, it's like 2000 bits of data per second. And I forget oh, how yeah. they like evaluate this. But then when they compare what your conscious mind, your thinking, your thoughts to your unconscious mind. Of that's regulating not only just everything that's going on in your mind, but also your body and all that stuff. It's like 4 trillion bits yeah. compared to 2,000. That's the magnitude difference that you have with what's going on under the surface versus what you're aware of as myself consciously. I mean, this, is, this is why you have incredible flashes of insight when you're in the shower or pooping. problem solving um, for you. Yeah, yeah. because that's and, where we do the real heavy lifting. And then the conscious like it, mind my, is just my like... My answer is in I'll the shower. credit for that. I'm yeah. the exact same. If yeah. I need to really like figure out what I'm going to do in decision, I'll just go take I've, a shower. And you know, I, I've had to run across the room is. and find something to write on and be like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I've had some great insights into the process of RV in the shower. And by the mm -hmm. time I'm out and I've towed down, I'm like, Fuck! What was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've you've got to you got to get out right that write it on the glass. Got to get yeah, a recorder. Yeah, get your grab yeah. your phone the moment you get out and hit record. Clearly, you need to start recording yourself in the shower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. Haven't you seen his oh, OnlyFans? <laughs> the psychic guy's OnlyFans. Oh, shower dudes. The shower dudes. Oh. <laughs> it already exists. Someone's already I copyrighted that. I'm sure. So. <laughs> No, great, great thoughts, guys. It, it certainly gives a, a lot to think about because, you know, we're all doing kind of predictive type work. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the Brett's thing as well, the uh, the markets, the markets do feel different for me. They feel easier. And now that I've been doing it several years, yeah. I feel like I have a, a connection to the markets and the crypto as well. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Brett, but the last 
six months or so, I've even started, and I don't know if it's real or not, but even started dialoguing with um, consciousnesses of, of cryptos and getting really good, interesting, but also valid data on that as well. Yeah. yeah it's like uh, a different type of input. So yeah, it's more communicative yeah. as opposed to just a downloading concepts one at a time. Yeah. So yeah, That's... markets feel easier to me than doing lottery numbers but maybe maybe it's because markets aren't numbers i don't know hmm. well that's a good point yeah because lottery is just pure numbers it's, it's so abstract. Pure numbers. actually there's a counter argument to that in that we are able to get two numbers but only two i mean when i was the rving it they i think they were even the last in, one <laughs> they were in uh well i needed five if i needed five and then another one that was only like not 12 or yeah. something like an easy one um but the first two, they were like in Helvetica, I think. They were the most clear thing. You could, it was completely 100% accurate and unambiguous. And then after that, it was like TV static. It was just complete shutdown. So it's not like we can't remote view numbers. This we is can. Some, yeah, we can. This is dogma from the yep. old days. You can't remote view numbers. It's not true. You I've can. done it many, many times uh, and it's been successful for yeah. feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so I don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't think it's that. Cause, yeah, because I mean, you, you can't get any more I'm, abstract. Sorry, I mean, when we're when we're doing cryptos and markets and stuff, um, as part of our formula in, in future forecasting, we we all try to get the you know as a con confirmatory piece of data, we all try to get the logo of what we're looking at. And totally. you know, a logo is just a you know a slightly different variation on on a word, a letter, or a number. Yeah, it's uh, a symbol. Yeah, we get like a number. We, we get really accurate data on, on looking at those. Now, when you've been doing the future forecasting stuff, you've done lots of really niche, weird cryptos that are really tiny things that nobody yeah. cares about. Is there a difference between doing those, doing something like Bitcoin or Ethereum and doing conventional markets? Do they feel different when you're trying to predict values and movements and stuff? The bigger ones, uh, you tend to know, you could tend to have a feeling that it's, it's a, a more important one. Um, mm. Yeah, and I, I can't tell you how we know that, but I think generally, as on the whole, we kind of all know when we're yeah when we're doing a big one rather than when, when we're doing what we call a shit coin. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but that might be because we have specific goals. Like you know, part of the way through what most of us do in future forecasting is we go for you know we do look at the uh, the group sentiment of all the people that the hodl or hold it. So you know, you may be lumping together. A group sentiment and emotions of several million people that you're picking up on you know and you know obviously with bitcoin it's several billion people against one of these very small meme coins where it might only be like a few hundred thousand people so you know you might be we might be picking out the differences from from looking at things like that really that makes sense all right well yeah. look, it's the top of the hour so Oh, sorry, Josh, do you want to wrap this up? Because I think we should do some actual predictions for 2024. Yeah, we've really covered a lot of stuff, honestly. I think we're going to have to part two this one because we haven't even started covering doomsday predictions yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, uh, look, Josh, I don't think we should tell them about that. People will just panic. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, so I can, I can start somewhere with this. And it's, it's I, I thought it was interesting. And it was with another viewer um, that I talk off and on with. And this actually wasn't from specific remote viewing data, but it's more of just spontaneous intuition, checking in with myself. What's the future feel like? Nothing. It, it's going to be more like a free form type of uh, sensing as opposed to a, a pen and paper remote viewing session. 
But around September, the end of September of last year, I started getting multiple kind of dramatic next year is going to be insanity, chaos, get prepared, make sure you have all your stuff in an order. Like the end of the year is going to be just a, especially by the end of 2024. And it kind of escalated. And it was interesting because another viewer I was talking with had the exact same thing. And it started around almost in the exact same week of September. So there was a really funny, uh, we both picked up on it independently and we randomly shared it with each other in beginning of December. We're like, it's the same time. So that was interesting. The, the, The second interesting thing part that maybe is more interesting about that is that we both at the same time, we just talked like last week, uh, at the end of December, that changed where the dramatic, not to say that there won't be things that happen this year, uh, but it's just like the intensity of it that I was just picking up on in September, that seemed to have changed at the end of December. Like if there is a probabilistic thing, for whatever reason, what I'm getting just spontaneously is the worst of it maybe is avoided. Not saying there aren't crazy things that are going to still probably happen, but it's like this like, oh shit type of energy I was getting is no longer there. And I had I had a catch-up call with this other viewer who had this as well about, like, I guess it was the end of last week. On the very last week of December, they had the exact same type of premonition feeling about 2024. So huge grain of salt with that, obviously. It's just, uh, you know, don't don't take that to the bank or anything. But that was, you know, uh, the I, I don't tend to look at like not not nearly the same degree or, or the same fidelity that you do to as uh, with your team stuff. But that was my kind of general vibe. It was just, it was interesting how it changed and how I had this interesting corroboration with another viewer at on this in the same weeks about 2024. So I still think there's going to be some pretty interesting things that happens this year, but I don't feel as um the, the panic energy is not 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 there for me anymore to the same degree that it was in September of last year. So I'll take that for what you will. You know, I actually do have a prediction for 2024. When I was doing that Reddit AMA, I had a few of them wanted to know who won the 2024 election in the U.S. So when I did it, I shit you not, my answer was somebody that nobody else is happy with. There you go. That, that's my pick for 2024. <laughs> you don't have to be a psychic to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that sounds really unhelpful. Sometimes things are vague like that. I had a couple of people when I was answering questions, well, one, one in particular, he goes, I thought you were psychic. And I was like, I said I was psychic. I thought I was omniscient. So interestingly, Brett, um, some even more um, interesting sources, both astrologers have been saying that Q3 and Q4 are going to suck this year. And Alternative Dave, and other who people might have known if they managed to get right to the end of the last episode, because he turned up pretty late, uh, he did a tarot card pull for the year, and by quarter it goes good, good, bad, very bad. But I mean, that was like one tarot card for each quarter. The election. So, in the U.S. at the end when, of the year, so <laughs> November, November third. Uh, I can't imagine well, that's going to be just a pretty party. So, from my point of view, um, it kind of mirrors Brett's a little bit in that, as a group, I'm not going to talk about myself as a single, but as a group, you know, future forecasting group in August and set, moving into September because we were predicting September's news, uh, we started seeing 
some really big event data, which then, you know, started to happen with the, you know, the, uh, the October stuff that happened in, in Iran, but that didn't quite cope. You know, some of that was explained in our RV, but not the, the big, the bigger stuff. And the bigger stuff we had was, you know, and I know we laugh about this was, uh, mushroom cloud stuff, but it was all nuclear feeding from, from six remote viewers all on the same night. Um, on top of that, we've been uh, we haven't gone back and looked at uh, future events that and like, had anything that signals that. On top of that, other than we did have that happen two on on two different occasions. Actually, I think we may have done the same target. Three no, times. the first one was that fertilizer explosion, wasn't it? In the warehouse that was full of. I can't fully remember to be honest. That was your first mushroom cloud. I'm pretty sure. But there's a mushroom cloud think, not accounted for anyway, isn't there? Yeah, I don't think the mushroom cloud data we had as as a group, the big one, has happened yet. I think some of the smaller stuff did, but the big stuff where we were having accompanying all of us had different forms of, of nuclear stuff. I don't think that, that has happened. Um, no. But separately, we are getting or we have got some uh, other data for 2024 when we're looking at markets and different things. We're not actually looking for big events but we're just looking at financial markets where in August and September and maybe even a bit later, we are starting to see some very big, weird stuff happening there as well in, in, in this year. Um, I don't know if it both coincides or, or I, but I haven't seen a, a, a decline like Brett has, but there again, I haven't been targeted to look at, go back and have a look at it, but we are seeing some, and it may not be the same thing. You know, we did get some big nuclear type stuff and that's what we've been worried about which I thought might happen. Actually, at the time, I didn't think it would happen. I was thinking, no, it's just complete bullshit. Then the Iran thing happened, and now we've no. got, like, everyone slinging, you know, missiles at each other. So as time's gone on, I am a bit, I have to be honest, I am more worried about the consensus data we got, which was nuclear, as time's moving on. Um, but we haven't revisited it, and the other stuff is more financial. And I don't know if the two are connected. I can't say at this point, but we, I have to be honest, I am very nervous about this this year intuitively. I think, I think we should. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it seems like it's going to be a big year, but I think we should carry out warnings of nuclear apocalypse with some warnings of the often overblown nature of you know, psychic predictions of big bad events. Certainly. Like it, it seems like stuff that is scary when we experience it psychically, it tends to get a bit overblown and blown out of proportion. Yeah. And More than you know, bit, yeah. it, it, it tends to get exaggerated. Yeah. And there have, there have been, again, naming no names this week, there have been several mm. quite famous mm. cock-ups in remote viewing where people have, with great confidence, predicted yeah. terrible apocalyptic events. Several um, people. Which, yeah. yes, several people, yeah. um, which have then not materialized. Yeah. So, um, I think I'm for not, me... I'm not worrying uh, too yet. And for, I can't quote, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but for my prediction staff, the, the real event is usually something like about 10 to 20% of mm. what I reported in, in the RV data. It's almost like we're seeing it in RV and we are, we are overinflating it in, you know, as we're, as we're transposing I it. I think with the geopolitical situation at the minute as well, there's a lot of psychic noise. Um, yeah. Like yeah. when Russia first invaded Ukraine, there was some really bad vibes flying around um and there was a lot of is this going to go nuclear kind of thing and after a few weeks that yeah. just faded away you know so we can have these periods where for some reason that's what's on the airwaves and then it just just goes away like brett's feeling of panic 
went away. Yeah. It, it, these these things can kind of come and go and never really materialize into doomsday. But it's maybe, as, a... we, as we discussed, maybe it's probabilities that are changing constantly. Mm. Yeah. And this is this is the challenge that we have with this type of work because there are some things. It's funny you bring up that example, David. Is the actual invasion date? Uh, I I posted the day I got yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I think a month or two months in advance, and I said it's going to happen on this date. In it was like yeah, February twenty second, twenty second, twenty third. Yeah, yeah. I got that in a. I was doing a float tank session actually, um, like a sensory deprivation <laughs> deprivation tank, and just looking at the future markets and what's coming and. This saw this like February twenty second invasion ball. Like I saw like aircraft carriers, all this stuff, and it was like mm. they're invading. Russia's coming, and I'm like, oh shit! And it's like, well, that's one where it it was in advance. It was a forecast, but it would seem like set to the to the t to the time. It's like it was just there. Whereas some of these other things that we see aren't necessarily that, and so it's almost like we're picking up on. How do we discern, is this something that feels really set or is this something that still is in a variable state that maybe what you're seeing is like you're seeing maybe the, the worst possible outcome, but there's a chance between now and then where it's actually smaller degrees or none. And that's a the, variable though. Yeah. Oh, like everything, everything our my group does is public. And I know because I've had a conversation with someone in the room for a Pentagon think tank that they said that they 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 look at everything we do so there is a fur variable that someone might actually be acting on some of the information any of us put out yeah me posting a date in the remote viewing discord no one gives a shit <laughs> in the world i'm pretty sure <laughs> well yeah. Yeah, yeah but we have to be honest we're remote viewers and we know from you know the snowden files and everything that everything is hoovered up and it wouldn't yeah, surprise true. me whatsoever if there wasn't somewhere out someone out there hoovering up all, all RV prediction data and maybe running it through an AI or something and then see what I wouldn't be that hard, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, True. I mean, if you look at what Cliff High is doing with the textual analysis, you yeah. could just do yeah. the same right. thing with Better the psychics, couldn't you? Because there is this problem with law enforcement and that kind of space where you get overwhelmed with psychics phoning up, yeah. psychics yeah. in air quotes, phoning up and telling you, you know, giving like you tips. And it's just noise. like, you just can't do anything with it. Well, I think it's much more than 80% noise, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, probably. If you, can, if you can drag that, that stuff and filter it for the people yeah, who are talking be, shit. You know, the cost to do that would be mm -hmm. minimal. And, you know, to get some analyst somewhere True. in some agency to, to come up with a monthly report of, you know, and then it even keeps, the, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if there wasn't a government agency that isn't actually keeping stats on how accurate we are. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a leaderboard game. somewhere, won't there? Yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't have a leaderboard. We'll never like, know oh, about. Yeah. Look at look what Edward Riordan said this week, this month. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, you know, Around as I said, water I, I had this conversation with this guy. Uh, he works for a government think tank. Yeah, yeah. I know for a fact that they advised the Pentagon, and he t he was telling me verbatim in depth projects that I'd worked like two, three years before. Hmm. So I know that there are people out there and they're, they're taking notice. Isn't that amazing so, that somebody is getting paid to sit there and watch crypto viewing? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Someone else well, didn't get it. And then, but that, I mean, what the nice thing about that though is, is that some of these more wild and scary predictions that we do see is that, is that there's an opportunity to avoid those things. Yeah. And, you know, I have a, I have a tangent to this that uh, I could share real briefly here at the end where I had in 2016, I did a project because I'm 
uh, I don't know, maybe stupid, maybe people wouldn't do this, but I tasked a, a team member of yours I was working at the time, working with the time to uh, describe my death event. <laughs> and I know most people are like, I would never look. And I was like, I'm going to look. It's like, the first thing. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> give me all the data that people don't aren't interested in looking. I want to read it all. And so I was just curious. So, and they came back with pretty consistent data and it showed, I mean, the very simplistic overview of the data was me on a table and there was some device that was like a procedure of some kind that was going on. It was using like uh, ultrasonic was the key word in the, se in, this, in the session and one of them, where it was like a type of surgery. And uh, last year at the end of August, I had to go in for surgery. The, the, the exact device, it has a big curve with a, a thing on the end that shoots ultrasonic sound on a person laying on a flat table, exactly the same description of that device was what I went into surgery for at the end of August. I had a kidney stone and they, there's a, the procedures, they break it apart with sound and, uh, and you you go under and all that stuff. And this was in 2016. And thankfully they were wrong. <laughs> that happened. Uh, you know, maybe I can do it in the future and you know, it's not so good. Yeah. And now you, now you guys yeah. know. So your but, next kidney stone is the one to watch out for. Yeah, maybe. But, um, it was really interesting because it made me wonder, it, you know, it'd speculate at the very least, maybe there was a possibility of that actually going wrong because it doesn't have a full 100% success rate. There is a risk involved. Any surgery obviously has a risk. And what if what they were seeing is, hmm, there is right at the moment between now and then the probability of it occurring does right. appear to be significant enough that this is the type of data that they would pick up on is that particular event what is that eight years no like six years out six seven years out and uh but ultimately it was wrong everything went just fine and I'm re i recovered just fine i mean and, we were uh, remote viewing okay. whether you were going to die or not before the surgery and i think we did conclude that you were going to be okay so. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we were like we were come good. on take bets we were, <laughs> <he's back laughs> <gonna die. laughs> yeah. but uh so i it it, it potentially leads you know lends a little bit of i don't know if it lends it but it's just another anecdote to think about that you know things can potentially change just because yeah. a remote viewer sees it it may be at that point in time that there is a higher probability of something like that happening well, but maybe you died on the table too. and they didn't tell you that would be maybe they, well i did like go under maybe, maybe they you, maybe it tricked up their own conscious because i went under and they thought mm, I, that was death general anesthesia is pretty anesthesia is death isn't it yeah. <laughs> i don't know mm, yeah mm. Uh, so just just uh just an interesting anecdote mm -hmm. for me at least you need but to run that project think... again and see if it's changed now <laughs> yeah or whether you Probably, have really yeah. got a really bad kidney stone in the future that's gonna be it. <laughs> it's coming <laughs> my diet has improved that's so a target much. I don't think I'd want information on. I think that like, is one. It does change over time, though, so... Yeah. It may change, yeah, like mm. maybe in the decision. Like, what if it helps you? I mean, like, oh, it's doing some activity, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't know, smoking or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, well, maybe if I quit and then it changes. I don't know. Mm. Maybe mm. Yeah. something like that. Again, that goes to the question, how could you see it if you change it and it doesn't happen? You know? Well, it only well how could they see... It. How could they see the market futures on silver when yeah, the event that they reviewed never happened, but they still were I think right? That's the, the uh, a big anomaly, huh? I think the book that answers this question, well, speculates on it, is this one's time loop, <laughs> Spirit Walker. So, um, 
It's definitely one idea. Probably check, probably check that out because it is. It's like time goes along, and then we do some paradoxical bullshit like that, and makes a loop, <laughs> and then the loop closes, and it carries on. Like, don't worry about that. Everything's fine now. We've. I know we're wrapping up here, but I do actually have. It just came to mind on the time loop thing and uh, how things change. I'm curious about your guys' opinions, real quick here, on uh, things that in people's memories, and a lot of these are probably bogus but where their shared memory of things being different about, um, what is that called again? It, it, it's the Mandela it's the effect. Mandela effect. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was one that I just saw the other day, which really got me thinking because I, all the other ones, Bernstein bears versus Bernstein bears, which one is it? Fruit loops. How is it spelled? Do they spell it fruit or yeah, fruit of the loom as well? So that's the one I saw just the other day. And, What's interesting about that one is I have a I have vivid memories of that logo as a kid, and and it's because it's emotional. Because like, why are you buy? I want boxers, mom. Why are you buying me these tidy whities? I just I remember that's the funny because that's the memory I have as a seven year old boy. Yeah. Fruit of the loom and, as well. Yeah. And so she'd buy me these fruit of the loom ones, and there was a cornucopia on that logo in my memory, very mm. very vivid. I actually remember the cornucopia as well, and I didn't. And I, I, I was not there. Yeah, is disturbing. Yeah. I have an answer for all those. Yeah. Okay. All of them are products that could have been Chinese knockoffs. Oh, like she was buying a Chinese knockoff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. It's slightly different because it's Chinese knockoffs, all of them. I mean, there is an important Possible. point here that people do not want to really acknowledge how fallible the human memory is. Memory is. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. There's oh, yeah. experiments where they've, they've looked at, you know, how easily can you convince somebody they've committed a crime? But it's like actually really easy. <laughs> um, uncertain police questioning techniques can effectively be implanting memories in people and you can yeah. you know, they can then genuinely believe that they did a crime or yeah. confessed to it and it was just a particularly messed up form of interrogation from somebody who read a couple of psychology papers um, yeah. every time you recall a memory you actually edit it or it, it, it makes it volatile to change yeah. um, there's a reason that eyewitness testimony is not favored as a form of evidence in court is because basically we have no idea what happened and we're just kind of making it up and every time we remember it we forget it and make it up so well you know like we're just rubbish at remembering things so i really want a higher standard of proof for the mandela effect and i don't know where <laughs> we're going to get that from i mean maybe I'll, it's real I'll, i know some people who are like super convinced and have watched it actually alternative dave said that you know he you, he saw it flip from one thing to another and pointed it out huh. to his co-workers and none of them believed him and then they watched i don't know the berenstein bears or whatever it is flip or something flipped and they all noticed and they'd all remembered it one way and then perceived it Ooh. again and it had changed and they were like oh the Mandela effect is real and he was like see i told you <laughs> it's definitely an interesting phenomenon but yeah proving it either way it'd be yeah hard would that be a different uh, realities, different dimensions, or just oh, don't. time loops. Don't say it. Wait for it. Quantum. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone drink. <laughs> what I kind of flip flop between these beliefs. Sometimes I believe in the the idea of time from the gateway analysis, where it's all happening over the course of the same instant. But other times. I have had this feeling of life as like giant strip of film. And as you're watching it, it's almost like your consciousness transfers from scene to scene. Like there's uh, Josh at 4.30 PM in 15 seconds. And that all of a sudden there's, uh, he passes the baton over to the next Josh at like 4.30 and 
30 seconds or, or some other similar gap like that. I don't, I don't really know why it's just that that's the other model of time that really feels like it makes sense to me. You hmm. should be able to talk to that previous version of yourself then. Actually, yeah, I have uh, experimented with aspects of that successfully. It's a pretty useful model to work with. From I time think to there's time. ideas about that in the meditation traditions, right? That at some point you you become able to see that time is quantized and that it is a series of individual things that happen and not a continuous process of change. That it is, it does have frames rather than it being a smooth thing where you can't draw boundaries. But again, I suppose that's a subjective experience rather than maybe telling us about the fundamental nature of time, but it's pretty yeah. cool either way. Wow, I'm I'm kind of just surprised well, you said the Q word. What, what do we do when he says it? Who said the Q word? I didn't say it. He said quantized. It's very I said quantized. I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, at least I wasn't abusing it. Right. Well, I think that's no, pretty good. You've used up your quota, Josh. You've had three. That's four. I mean, it's exactly the, the same keyword. root word, though. I feel like it I'm going to start bleeping you out from now on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all, all right. I got. Yeah. That, that was a great conversation, guys. Yeah, I, it was I, fun. Yeah. Was yeah fun. I love these conversations about time because you, and you, you kind of have the most really interesting, and then you get to the end of the time. I still don't know what I think. You know? yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I heard some great, you know, great thoughts and theories from all of you tonight, but. I'm still no better. I'm. I have to be honest. I'm still no better off. Yeah, we're just feeling around in the dark. Is really what we're doing. Yeah. We're just trying yeah. to yeah. sense it out and maybe you know evoke yeah. some ideas what we need and to other do, people out there. We're going to live stream ourselves in the shower tomorrow morning, and we'll, we'll have this <laughs> meeting, and then we'll all have flashes of insight. And understand it. It's the way to get the answer. Well, the good thing about Some figuring other. out how time works is uh, that's a future. <laughs> we'll oh, I like For it. That's guy, a useful we'll be model. Flashes of insight will be showing. <laughs> 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 On that note. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. Um, we'll see you last week or next week or this week. Good night. Bye. Take care, Cheers. guys.